I'd like to share with you some very personal stuff about vocation and struggle. You know? I think that with each of our vocations, there is some struggle. If you take your life seriously, if you take your duties seriously, if you take your vocation seriously, of course you're going to struggle. So, I'd like to talk a little bit tonight about something that you never hear priests talk about, and that is celibacy. So, um, even in the seminary, you don't talk very much about celibacy. It's just one of those strange topics that people really don't talk about. But every, every, uh, just about every priest who's ordained, unless he comes from some other tradition and, um, and, and is given permission by the local bishop, uh, to be ordained as a Catholic priest, as a married man, every priest who's ordained takes a vow of celibacy. As a deacon, when you're ordained a deacon, you make a promise of celibacy. And, and what that simply means is that you remain unmarried for the service of the church. So, uh, certainly, you know, celibacy is something that you hardly ever hear talked about from the pulpit, or even in personal or private conversation, with priests. It's just not something that's discussed. And yet, at the same time, it's a very integral part of the life of a priest. So I'd like to just share with you a couple of reflections, uh, thoughts that I have about living the solid life. This is from the inside. This is, I'm going to share with you some inside stuff, some inside thoughts from someone who's living a solid life. Um, uh, there are some really good things that everybody knows about the life of a celibate, and that is that one is free to devote oneself to their ministry with an undivided heart. Uh, one is also free from any hindrance to obedience. That's very important because when you are ordained, both a deacon and a priest, you kneel in front of the bishop and he asks you, do you promise obedience to me and my successors? And your answer has got to be yes. If it's not, then you have to get up and walk out of the cathedral or the church, right? So you say, yes. And then he says, may God who has begun the good work in you bring it to fulfillment. As a celibate, you are free to obey the bishop completely and totally. If I were, let's say, a married man living here at St. Paul the Cross, I have my kids in the school, um, my wife uh, would be uh, uh, occupied uh, somewhere in the area, maybe in some profession or, or, or some line of work, um, I would have all of her needs and concerns to consider as well as those of my family. So, the question is, how free am I to do the will of the bishop. How free am I to do that? This was a serious problem back in the Middle Ages. And the popes um, were concerned about this. And they said that, you know, priests need to be free to go where they are told to go, to follow the directions of the bishop. And that's part of the reason why celibacy became universal ecclesiastical law. Now, Father Dan could give you a whole other uh, lecture about ecclesiastical law. Ecclesiastical law is different from divine law. Divine law comes from the Ten Commandments. Ecclesiastical law is, uh, is, is, is written by human beings. Divine law is written by God. So, the difference is that 
Divine law can never be changed. It's eternal because it's divine, obviously. Uh, ecclesiastical law, human law, can be changed. So it's been about a thousand years since the law of celibacy was uh, instituted universally in the church. Um, perhaps, probably, uh, as time goes on, that law will be examined again and perhaps even again uh, for the sake of uh, helping the church in the situation that it happens to be in in a particular age of time. I'm not saying that their rule is going to be changed. I'm not saying that it's ever going to be changed. I'm not also saying that it's not possible for it to be changed. Um, but um, the, uh, the, the rule of celibacy is in place, in part, um, to free the priest to be obedient to the bishop so that the priest can go where he is told to go and to serve where he is instructed to serve. Some of the challenges of this thing that we call the celibate life. The first one is loneliness. You know, a lot of people think that celibates are lonely. You know, I remember that our one of our instructors in the seminary said, "You know what? It's you have to come to discover that you, as a priest, you'll never be lonely. You you should never be lonely. Why? Because you know that God is always with you. Christ is always present here in our in our tabernacle, up here in the church in the Adoration Chapel." Christ is always, you know, a very short distance uh, from each of us, uh, certainly spiritually as well as sacramentally. So I myself can think of very, very, very few times when I have actually experienced this thing called loneliness. That's not to say that sometimes uh, I don't feel an emptiness in my heart and soul, but I realize I'm never alone. God is as close to me as the mention of his name, as close as a prayer. Some people say that celibacy is the reason for the vocation shortage. Is it? Hmm, I don't know. Um, I know a lot of really, really fine young men, young women, who would be excellent priests, excellent religious brothers, excellent sisters, and the reason they say no to that vocation is because they're not prepared to take that make that commitment to celibacy. But here, it, here are a couple of uh, here are a couple of thoughts that I personally uh, want to offer on that subject. Um, first of all, what the celibate is not, what the celibate person is is not, is married to the church, married to God, married to Jesus, etc., etc. Did you ever hear anybody say that? Well, the priest is married to the church. The priest is married to God. One of the students in my catechism class uh, came up to me and said, Father, do you think that as a priest you are married to the church? The answer is absolutely not. I personally think that that's, it's absurd to say that a celibate priest is married to anybody because celibacy means that you are unmarried for the sake of serving the church. The celibate person is unmarried for the sake of of serving God and serving the church. The church itself is the bridegroom of Christ. The whole church is married to Christ. Um, and so the celibate, it has to be understood, is not married to anybody, not married to anything. But here's what I have come to discover uh, in my own experience, is that um, the joy for me of being a person who is celibate, uh, 
is that I am someone who is an active contemplative. Okay? Now that sounds strange, but this is my thought on that. The church itself has two dimensions. It is active and it is contemplative. Okay? Has anybody ever heard that? Ever heard the, the church described that way? It is active and it is contemplative. It's active because 95, 98%, whatever, of people who make up the church are active in the world. Our job, as Vatican II told us, is to be made holy so that we can, in turn, make the world holy. That we can sanctify the world. And as Cardinal George loves to say, we have the job of introducing the world to its Savior, Jesus Christ. So we are active, we are engaged in the world in all kinds of occupations as computer people, as financial planners, um, uh, whatever our, you know, truck drivers, uh, heart surgeons, whatever our roles are, chefs, um, that, that would be my next choice if I weren't a priest, is to cook because I love to eat, uh, or be a bus driver. You know, I love the CTA, I love getting on the Blue Line train and the bus and whatever. I might you know, end up working for the CTA. But whatever it is, we are active, we're engaged in all kinds of activity in the world, taking our faith into the world and making the world holy. At the same time, the church is contemplative because it's called to a life of prayer. Each of us are called to shut the world out, at least for a moment every day if that's possible, or when we come to Mass on Sunday, close the rest of the world out and spend an hour with God and with God's people in worshiping the Lord at Mass. Also, during the week, we have opportunities to adore the Lord in our Adoration Chapel. We are called to come away with the Lord, spend time with the Lord, and contemplate, be contemplative, quiet ourselves, listen to the Lord, study His Word, be blessed by Him, be nourished by Him. That's what it means to be contemplative. Okay? So, what do I mean by all this? Well, I am very blessed as a celibate, and I believe every person who is called to the celibate vocation is blessed to be a person who is contemplative. I spend my life as a contemplative person. And the, the, the real benefit of that to you is that when I get up to speak on Sundays, or even every day at Mass, what I bring is the fruit of my contemplation. What I bring is the fruit of my meditation, my study of the Scripture. And the, the time that I prepare a homily is not the same that somebody, uh, as the time that somebody spare, uh, spends preparing a political speech or a business address or whatever. It is the fruit of contemplation, being contemplative, to contemplate. That's how I spend my life according to the vocation that God has given me as someone called to the celibate life. There is tremendous joy in that for me. Because I love what God has called me to. And I love that I have the opportunity to live my life that way. It took me some time to discover that for myself. But eventually, God makes it clear, as John said. God does make it clear to you what your call is in life, what your vocation is in life. And when you find that, it will bring you the greatest joy. So, this life, I believe, is a gift that God has given to me. And um, I call myself 
an active contemplative because we certainly were. We're in a very active parish. I'm moving to a very active, high-energy parish. But at the same time, I live my life as a contemplative, as one who contemplates, as one who spends time in quietness with God so that I can bring the fruit of that to you, to you. So that's why this is such a great life. And I really do encourage you to encourage vocations to the priesthood and religious life. First of all, because obviously we need priests, we need sisters, we need religious brothers. But we need ones who are prepared to embrace the beauty of this life and to understand what kind of life they're getting into. That it is a, a contemplative life. It is a it is a life of prayer and meditation. It is a life of closeness, of deep spiritual intimacy with God, with Christ, with the Holy Spirit, so that we can share the life of that relationship with each of you. And that's about all I have to say on, on that topic. I want you to know how much I love being a priest. Right? I want you to know how much I love serving you as a priest. And I can tell you this with absolute certainty that Father Brito feels the same way, Father Mariah feels the same way, Father Dan feels the same way. Um, it is a great joy to be of service to God as priests. It's a great joy to be of service to you.